Tune in. Tune in. Tune in. It's the power of the game. It's the power of the game. It's the power of the game podcast by Golf Saudi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Power of the Game podcast with myself, Robbie Greenfield. I've got two special guests to welcome into the conversation for today's episode, two stars of the Ladies' European Tour. Wales' is Amy Bolden and Sweden's Camilla Lenarth, two winners on tour. Amy at the VP Bank Swiss Ladies' Open last year and Camilla back in 2014. She won the Slovak Open the same year that Amy broke through and earned Ladies' European Tour Rookie of the Year status. Now, both of these ladies are ambassadors for Golf Saudi. Both of them are very excited about what's going on here in the kingdom when it comes to women's golf, in particular the announcement of this new Aramco Team Series, which will see four events at a million dollars each in terms of the purse played at New York in London, uh, Singapore, and culminating at the Royal Greens Golf Club just north of Jeddah. It promises to be a very exciting series with a brand new format, and we're going to find out a little bit more about their thoughts on that during this conversation. It's a wide-ranging chat about all facets of the women's game then. We start by asking Amy, who comes from rich golfing stock, how she got into the game. Yeah, so I have a huge golfing family. So I got started when I was about six years old. Um, Through my dad, he was the head club professional at my golf club for about 35 years. He's now retired. Um, I also have two older sisters. They both played. They represented Wales. Um, So, yeah, I think I probably had no choice but to play. (laughs) Um, My mum also used to play as well. She got down to about nine handicaps. So I feel like it was always destined for me to play golf. Uh, And was was your when you took the game up, did you did you get really good really quickly? Or was it was it quite a hard slog to get to to the the kind of the, the stage where you were kind of considering taking the game to the next level? Uh, I think it was probably a bit different for me because I had two older sisters that both played. They started when they were about nine. I started when I was about six. So I think I just wanted to be around them and watch them and play with them. So I think because I was a little that little bit younger than them, it probably came a little bit more naturally to me as well. Um, and I think that's probably really important as if you do have children, you want to get them into the game. I think the younger, the better. What about you, Camilla? What, how old were you when you took up the game? And, uh, and obviously Sweden is, is a huge golfing nation. It's produced so many great players. Was it, was it difficult growing up as a, a junior? Was it uh, the, com- the competition, I would imagine, was pretty good? Yeah, um, I might have started pretty late. I started when I was eight or nine. And uh, my dad is a golf fanatic. So it was sort of like... He's trying to deny it, but he wanted to play more golf. So he thought that if he brings me to the golf course and I like it, then he's obviously going to spend a lot more time there himself. So uh, I did like it. I, I just made a few really good girlfriends out there and we were a bit of a little group. So I think that's how I just like held on to golf. And then from there, just played more junior events. And yeah, Sweden's always had a pretty good program of feeding juniors, guys and girls into um well like top amateur golf and then going on to uh pro golf can you remember how old you were when you thought i i actually have a decent shot at going pro and actually making it as a professional golfer to be honest with you um i've never really dreamt of being a a golf professional Um, i didn't really know what i wanted to do growing up i just loved playing golf and i thought that i'm just gonna you know stick to this for meantime and I went to college and I think it's at some point in college I can't remember what year but 
some point in college, I felt like, okay, I'm playing pretty well in college golf and I'm actually going to give it a shot. So um, I think I was just a late bloomer on the, like, you know, just deciding on wanting to turn pro. Okay. And, and Amy, was that the same for you? Were you kind of hell bent on, on going pro from a young age, obviously with, with all the golfers in your family or, or did it happen a little like Camilla where, where it sort of happened by accident almost? Uh, no, I'd say it's probably a bit different to Camilla. All throughout school, I just uh, wanted to be at the golf club, to be honest. And I remember my golf course was across the road from my school and we were allowed to leave for lunch breaks. And we had like 45 minute golf breaks and um, lunch breaks. And I would walk over to the golf club and get my putter and wedge out and just do a bit of short game while like, all my friends were having lunch together. Um, but I decided when I was uh, about 18, when I left school to do two years full time amateur golf, just to see kind of how I enjoyed the traveling aspect of it. Um, and my mum and dad gave me that opportunity to do that. So after doing that for two years, I thought, you know what, this is really what I want to do. I felt like I had achieved everything I wanted to achieve in the amateur game. And I felt like that was, I was in a position and ready to turn pro at that point. And Camilla, what qualities do you need to be successful as a, as a professional golfer? All of us amateur golfers know what a frustrating and and at times maddening game it is. And yet to do it week in, week out in, in that level of very intense competition, you need to be a very calm person. You need to be very dedicated, I would imagine. What, what are the qualities that you need to make it as a pro? You're going to have to like to practice golf. I know a lot of amateurs like to play golf on the golf course, but that is just not enough. You know, if you want to become a really good pro, you have to put in the hours on the driving range, chipping area, putting green, and then go and test it out on the golf course. Um, so it's a lot more than just playing 18 holes a few days a week. Um, then you got to be patient too. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be a calm person. You can be, everybody's different, obviously, but it's just the way, how do you tackle your frustration or the happiness, or all these ups and downs that you go through, all the emotions that we all go through. Uh, they're the same as a, as a pro golfer, as an amateur. We all experience sort of the same emotions, just on different levels. Do you, Amy, have to take emotions out of it to play your best golf? Obviously, when you're, when you're in the middle of a season and you're playing events, you'll have good days and you'll have bad days and you have to kind of try and balance that out. Is that something you consciously do? Do you try to approach every single round exactly the same way? Yeah, I think you just have to have a really positive attitude. Every round of golf that you turn up and play and every tournament you turn up and play and whether you're playing your best golf or you're struggling at that point, you still have to have a positive mindset going out and play. And you know that at the end of the day, no one really watches how you get it round at the end of the day. It's just a number on the scorecard. And um, so whether you hit it great and shoot 70 or you hit it terrible and manage to get it round in 75, um, you just have to really have a positive mental attitude every time you play. And of course, last year, having, I mean, your career, Amy, you were rookie of the ladies European tour rookie of the year back in 2014. You've played a bit of golf in the U S you've had some ups and downs. You got a victory on the tour last year after winning the LETQ school. Uh, talk to us about that. I saw your interview. You were quite emotional, you know, after that, that win, it, it must've meant an awful lot to you. Yeah, definitely. I think 2019, when I decided to go over to the States, I just wanted kind of a different um, atmosphere around my golf. I just felt like I got a bit stale in Europe and I just wanted a different kind of competition. So I went over to the States to try something new. Didn't really know anything about the girls or the talent over there. Um, did that for a year and it was a struggle. The girls are amazing over there, but I did, I think at one point, nine weeks in a row. 
and I was just so tired. Um, but I knew that that was what I had to experience. And I also wanted to see if I enjoyed playing in the States because long-term for me, I do want to play on the LPGA. So I thought that was a good stepping stone to play on Symmetra and try and get my tour card that way. Um, and because I did that, I ended up sacrificing and losing my LET card. Um, and I think I'd been on tour for six years at this point. I'd never had to go back to Q school. So I was a little bit embarrassed that I had to go back to Q school. I don't know why. I don't think I told anyone I was going back. The girls were like, oh, are you going to go back to Q school? Or are you going to stay in America? And I said, oh, I think I'm going to go back to Q school. Maybe. Um, and it was actually my parents that really pushed me to go back because they they said, you always want to have status in Europe. You always have want to have that opportunity to come back home if you if you want to. Um, and luckily, it was the best decision I did. Uh, Q school's a real grind, isn't it? I mean, it's it's a lot of rounds of golf. There's a lot of pressure on it as well. It is. And I've done a lot of Q schools in the States. I think I've done four or five, actually. <laughs> I've done loads of them, too. And it's so hard. It's a lot of golf. And it it's is. just so much pressure around it. Yeah. And I think because I felt like that extra pressure at European Tour Q school, just because people knew who I was um, because I'd been on tour for such a long time. Um, and all the other girls were kind of like the um, up and coming amateurs um, trying to get their status for playing in Europe the following year. But really happy I went back. And then obviously 2020 with everything that was going on, um, I had the opportunity to stay home and be able to travel when we could. Whereas if I was back in America, I would have been struggling to kind of play over there with the travel restrictions. And Camilla, how was your experience playing on the LPGA Tour? You've, you've obviously, it's, it is, as Amy said, it's, it's the highest level. It's the, the highest possible standard. And I would imagine as well, it, it can be quite a lonely existence out there. Um, lonely is a very good way to um, describe how I felt when I played there in 2018. Um, I felt like I knew a lot of people just through college golf and girls coming over to play the British Open, Scottish Open, play a few events here and there. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was just it was just me and I didn't have a coach with me. I didn't have a manager. I had my caddy, which um, he's one of my best friends now. But it was just everybody's just sort of in a clique. And in a, they have their own people around them. So when they go to dinner, they don't really need to find somebody to go to dinner with and so on. And I just uh, didn't really have anybody around. And I just, just didn't like that, which is very unfortunate because I had made it then to the highest level of golf. And obviously I was enjoying teeing it up on Thursday and making it to the weekend and play, but it was just nothing that I enjoyed around it. As soon as I was done with golf, there was... Oh, I just wanted to get to the next day. There was nothing I enjoyed. So it was a bit sad to look back at it that way. But I learned, oh, I, I learned so much being out there. And it was just, it's been great for my career anyways. And your form has been pretty good. It's been on the uptick for quite some time now. You, you, you're confident about enjoying a strong 2021 campaign? I am. I think uh, it's Corona in some way has probably been pretty good for me. Um, I've worked on my swing kind of, kind of, uh, quite a lot. So um, I hope it's just gonna, we're just gonna get all these pieces together uh, now when 2021 starts again. And I'm really excited to get started whenever we do that. There, there are some big announcements that we need to talk about. Obviously, one made in the last couple of days that, that yeah. has a massive, massive impact on, on the potential for you guys on the, the LET. But I got to ask you when you first started playing professional golf and when you broke through into the 2013 2014, could you ever have imagined, let alone playing in Saudi Arabia, but actually being ambassadors for Golf Saudi, Amy? Um, no, I don't think if you'd have told us that five years ago, we probably would have believed you. Um, mm. 
but they've been amazing with us and it's great to represent them as well um and we feel very proud that kind of we get to experience a little bit more getting to visit um saudi arabia so often and um, me and camilla have been here a number of times now yeah. um it's very it's a it's a very beautiful country and people are very nice and they take take really good care of us here and yeah like amy said just really proud to be an ambassador and be here at the very start of everything so we see how everything grows and yeah we've what got they to actually watch. do for the game yeah we've got to watch kind of from the beginning of mm -hmm. when they first started we came here for the opening of yeah. royal greens so even just to see the golf course make the changes over the last few years as well that's been pretty cool to watch yeah, yeah to people and kids and women just it's been good to see, uh, to see, yeah, to, as you say, I think Royal Greens. It was 2017. It might have been 2018 that it that it opened, and now it's having its third edition of the the Saudi International this week. Obviously, the Saudi Ladies International was held for the first time last year. I know you both played in that event as well. Did it confound your expectations coming here in terms of what you expected, your preconceived notions of of what Saudi Arabia was going to be like? Definitely. I think we probably didn't really know what to expect. Um, and I think you kind of go online and just kind of find things out about the country and kind of figure out what what you wear. Um, and when we arrived, we were probably quite surprised. Um, and everyone treats us so nice here. And that's one thing I would say is the people have been so welcoming towards us. And they're really excited about golf. I think that's really like huge for the country as everybody's so excited about having us here and having the tournaments. I feel like they're really showing us the country as well. I mean, we've been to some pretty spectacular places and there's a lot to see. And like you said, people are nice. And yeah, uh, I didn't really know what to expect when I came here, but I am feeling very positive. It's, I also think you can only judge on kind of your own experience. Of I course. Like you have to be a little bit open-minded. And I mean, we didn't know what to expect. So I think it's been, we're both open-minded people and it's been nice to kind of see it for ourselves. Um, and I think that's been really important. And obviously, you know, it's one thing you guys represent different types of brands and, and obviously you have sponsors, but when you come to a country where you're representing, it's almost a movement that's going on here. It's, it's, uh, it's an opening up and it's a breaking down of cultural barriers, particularly for women and giving women the opportunity to actually play sport in the kingdom. How important is that, Camilla, for your association, when, when you look at what you want to get out of being an ambassador for Golf Saudi, both sort of personally and professionally, how important is that kind of breaking down of, of barriers that have existed for so long now? It's obviously very important. I feel like um, Golf Saudi and Aramco are just doing great things here and just being a part of breaking the barriers and showing the, the world uh, what it's like to be out here and giving lessons to these kids and to these women. I mean, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it makes me really happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I, Amy, I mean, this is not a golfing nation. I think that that's, that's something that needs to be pointed out, even more so than, say, other parts of the, the GCC where golf has existed for quite some time now. You know, you grew up around golfers. Golf was part of your life since you were a kid. Obviously, these guys are coming to it, whether they're children or whether it's adults taking up the game. It's so new. It's, so, it's such an alien concept to them. What has the response been from women that you've met who have just taken up the game and that you've seen firsthand? Is it, is it enthusiasm? Have they fallen in love with the game? What kind of responses have you witnessed? 
Yeah, I mean, I tell everyone this. Me and Camilla have done a number of clinics out here for women and children, and they are so enthusiastic. <laughs> Sometimes when I do clinics back home, everyone's a little bit shy and don't really yeah. <laughs> know whether to get involved. I mean, nobody people... asks questions back home, really. No. Not the kids and not the older people either. Here. And the people over here, they just are so enthusiastic. They can't wait to try it. Um, and it makes you actually realize that how privileged we have been to play golf from a young age. Um, and it's been so normal for mm. us to be able to just pick up a golf club and have that opportunity to go to the golf course. So it's really exciting to see the movement happening here. And I think it's going to be really exciting over the next 10, 20 years. Friends of yours, Camilla, what, what's been their reaction? Is it, is it curiosity to, to, you know, to for people who've not been to Saudi Arabia? I mean, when I first went, I was, I was surprised. My expectations were, 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 were confounded a little bit. And, and obviously they do want to open up to tourists now. We saw, I think, a couple of days ago, the news that Jack Nicholas was going to build a course in Kadir. It looks incredible from the renderings. You know, you, you automatically want to go and experience what that's going to be like. Have friends of yours shown an interest, shown a curiosity in, in what's happening over here? Definitely. Um, I mean, none of my friends have ever been to Saudi. And uh, just me showing uh, what it's like to be here on Instagram, and obviously, like sending a few other videos over to my family and friends and so on. Um, everybody just wants to come over and see what it's like. Um, just, I feel like it's just been pretty positive around it. And um, we've been to Kidia a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Was it two years ago? Yeah, about two years ago. And so we've seen the land that they're building it at, and it looks fabulous. Mm. Absolutely fabulous. It's actually incredible to see. We, when we went, it's obviously just rocks, yeah. and we've seen like the we've seen future where they're plans, gonna, yeah. yeah, the future and where they're going to put the golf course and the resorts and everything. And yeah, I think it'll be really cool yeah. when it's all built for us to go back and kind of we were there at the very start, and we're going to have seen them changes. Yeah, I'm, I was told it looks a bit like Utah over in the U.S. Those kind of like big rock formations and exactly. the backdrop with a with a Jack Nicklaus golf course in the foreground is going to be is going to be something else. And obviously, I think thirteen courses they're planning on building to a championship standard in the next nine years or so. But uh, let's talk about the kind of professional game and the women's game on a kind of wider level, if we can, guys, because uh, I know end of 2019, a deal was struck between the, the LPGA and the, and the LET, the LPGA taking a kind of commanding interest in what was going on in the, uh, the LET. And actually, there was a coming together. There was a commercial agreement. How does that affect you as players? And, and what was your reaction to it, Amy? Um, really exciting. I think we'd heard kind of rumours um, that that was maybe going to happen over the last few years. And I think now that it finally has, um, we're probably going to see the changes over probably the next two, three years. Um, and it's huge for the Ladies European Tour. And hopefully then we can kind of merge together. And a lot of, a lot of the European Tour players want to play in the States as well. So if we can have some kind of partnership with them now um, where it gives us opportunities to go over there um, and it's also great to see the LPJ girls coming over and supporting the European Tour at the same time. Camilla, are you are you enthusiastic about it? Uh, is it is it going to change the the kind of playing landscape for you in in 2021, or is that something a bit more longer term? I think it's a bit more longer term for me. I mean, you never know, but for right now, um, I'm just happy that we actually did merge with LPJ because I feel like it's already given us more tournaments and stronger tournaments um just more opportunities to actually play unfortunately now covid came but 
the, the schedule for 2020 looked really good. And I think actually for 2021, it's going to still be, we're going to have a lot of tournaments. And I think it's, uh, it's just been very good for us to merge. And I think the future, just to have a bridge from LET over to LPJ is going to be, I think it's going to be positive for both uh, tours. Amy, uh, Camilla mentioned that, that COVID and the pandemic was in a, in a way as, as difficult as it's been, it, it gave a chance to, to perhaps focus on, on practice that you wouldn't ordinarily get during a, a busy playing season. Was that for the same for you? Because obviously you came out post lockdown and, and obviously your results were, were really strong leading up to that victory. Yeah, I think it was really good for me in particular. I got to just have a little bit of time off and sometimes you need to make changes in your swing that you just never have time to do. Um, because we don't really ever have a full off season. We only really ha ever have about three weeks off and mm. it's not really enough time to make these huge swing changes that you sometimes need to make. So for me, I just had a net in the back garden, even just in the house in a mirror with a golf club, just trying to kind of get these drills in every day of like positions in my swing. Um, and I think that was really good. And also for the mental side for me, I think I kind of just needed to take a step back from golf and then like really appreciate wanting to go back and play. I think we sometimes take for granted how lucky we are to travel the world. And then when you get stuck at home and not really be able to do what you love, you then realize, okay, I'm very lucky. Yeah. It gives you a new sense of appreciation. Absolutely. And that, that's the same for amateurs as well. A lot of my friends, myself included, a totally new sense of appreciation for the game after, after not being physically able to play it for, for those couple of months. But, uh, but it's, it's fair to say that Saudi has been pivotal for these last couple of years for the for the let the investment that golf saudi has made into the into the tour and obviously this new announcement broadening things out to an international series of team events can you kind of put it into words camilla how significant this investment has been for the let and the, the safeguarding of the future of the tour well i'm very proud obviously to be a part of this new series that are coming along and just a team event. Um, I think it's fun that they're breaking a few of these barriers where, you know, we always do single stroke play and now we actually get to play. We're going to get to, to pick uh, uh, one of your friends to play with and then um, just get that team spirit. Like when we were playing amateur golf, mm. uh, we're playing, representing our nations and our countries and so on. Um, I think it's just, I think it's good to, for, for golf to just, do something a little bit different and also then involve, um, well, Aramco and their customers and whoever's going to come on board and, and play with us during this series. I think it's, I think it's going to benefit everybody. Yeah. I mean, Amy, we've seen with the Solheim cup, the Ryder cup and the president's cup in the men's game, obviously the strength of potential of, of team golf. And it has a different kind of complete ambience and vibe about it, doesn't it? It has a much more exciting, uh, partisan feel to it sometimes when when yeah. you get teams together and you can actually root for a team is is that what you think they're hoping to achieve and and from your perspective is it more exciting to be a part of that and to actually compete on that kind of format yeah I think we just don't ever get that opportunity to play team golf except for Solheim Cup um and it's one thing I really miss about amateur golf is teeing up, especially when I used to represent Wales with the girls we were such a close-knit group of people and I think that's something that we all really miss is having that kind of team bonding and rooting for your playing partner. Cause you don't obviously do that very often when you play <laughs> individual. Um, so I think it'll just be really cool to kind of play with your friends and kind of really root for them as well. 
Uh, now, Camilla, the last time I played golf with Amy, um, I had to hit the fairway on the 18th under pressure and I, I hit it in the water and I completely folded under pressure. And I'm thinking to myself, the amateurs who are, who are participating when real cold, hard cash is on the line, they're, they're going to need to be nerves of steel, are they not? Are these guys going to, you know, that otherwise they should be on the tour, right? <laughs> I hope they practice some leading up to that at least. <laughs> hopefully, there won't be that much pressure on them. Hopefully, we're all just aiming to have a good group. I have a good group, and we'll be Take playing well them. enough leading up to it in that it's not all about them, that we can actually maybe enjoy the walk and and that they don't feel like yeah. uh, they're going to ruin it for us if they don't find the fairway. <laughs> maybe just have a blanket rule blame the amateur at all times. You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's always their fault. Yeah. <laughs> what about the tournament as well? The, the Saudi Ladies International, Amy, what, what was that like to play against that field? I think it was one of the top fields on the LET all year. The Royal Greens Golf Course, the Royal Greens Golf Club presents a, a real test as well. Um, and that looks like it's going to be a fixture in the calendar here to stay as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it was amazing to see so many of the girls come over and support the event. Um, the field was obviously amazing um, obviously had a fantastic winner in Emily as well. She played great for them two weeks. Um, but it was just really exciting to actually get everyone over here and for them to see the facilities here and see the golf course. I think everybody was actually maybe a little bit surprised when they saw it. I don't think they realized how good of a golf course and a facility it is here. And I know that a lot of my friends anyway that I, I play with on tour are really excited to come back. This four event series, I think it's uh, it's New York, it's London, it's Singapore, and then it culminates in in uh, Saudi Arabia at the Royal Greens Golf Club. Uh, are you going to be playing in all four events? Do you know much about how it's going to work, how you're going to select your amateur playing partners, how the teams are going to be decided? Has that has that been made clear or is that still a little bit up in the air, Camilla? I think it's not really yet. I think they're discussing something similar to the draw we had in November when there are captains, like 36, I think we mm -hmm. were, and each captain gets to pick one of the, the remaining um, players. And then it's just, uh, uh, what do you call that in English? I'm losing the word. Um, they just out sort the of draw, draw out, out of the hat, the hat and uh, okay. create the team. Uh, and then you get an amateur. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we've not really been told the full really details been, of no. how the team will actually work. Yeah, no. but, but probably but something similar to but that. I think something similar. It's interesting because I know there's been a lot of talk about formats in golf. And we've seen with, I think, things like the Super Sixes. And, you know, obviously, if you take cricket as, as an example and T20, that, that really revolutionized the way that cricket was kind of consumed by the masses and and it made it, uh, at least it brought a very entertaining format into the game that, that, that sort of gave something, some people a little bit different to, to your sort of traditional kind of test cricket. Is something similar going to happen in golf, Amy? Are we going to see the reduction of 54-hole and 72-hole tournaments in favour of the shorter, sharper, perhaps more engaging, more dynamic formats? Is that part of the future for, for the game? Um, I think it can be. I don't think it's going to go fully that way. I think, um, I mean, I still like to play 72 hole individual stroke play events, so I don't think it will ever go fully that way. But I think it's good to introduce new concepts um, and to have different kind of tournaments that people can get excited about. And for people at home, really, that are watching on TV, I think sometimes it can maybe get a bit stale when you're just watching tournament after tournament. Um, that's the same thing. I think it could be a really good idea to bring in new initiatives um, that are different. I agree with you. 
The, the women's game in general, Camilla, ha, has it made a lot of progress since you turned pro, do you feel, when you look back to those early days? It has made a big, big progress in, in many different aspects of the game. Um, I'm getting a bit old out here now. I've been here for a few years and uh, just these younger girls that are coming out are just like on the men's side, hitting it really far, uh, can shape the ball different ways, attacking the, the golf course a lot more. Uh, they're just stronger. So I feel like the game of golf on the women's side is sort of developing in the same way as the men's game is. It's going to be mm. longer courses. Uh, girls are going to hit it further. Um, I think it's a really exciting future ahead uh, for women's golf. And I really, really hope that more people can actually see that. And um, I feel like we're off to a good start here in Saudi and that Golf Saudi has actually taken that on board and they, they really support women's golf. And that's just oh, it makes me really, really happy and really proud. Yeah, how important is that, Amy? Because obviously the men's game has a tradition of having very sort of big backers, you know, corporate blue chip companies that have always supported men's golf. And now women's golf through through partnerships with Golf Saudi, it's it's definitely making inroads, isn't it? Because that is, if you think about it as a, as a big sort of circle, you know, you have to join everything together to, to create real momentum. And, and it's not just about going out there and playing great golf to, to get eyeballs on the screen watching you guys, is it? No, and I think that's probably why me and Camilla are so proud to be ambassadors for Golf Sad is that we've been here for the last three, four years and got to see when they first started talking about maybe having a women's event here um, and seeing how enthusiastic and keen they are to get us over here um, and how much they've really pushed to have a women's event on tour here. And how quickly it's and gone. And how quickly it's yeah. turned around, yeah. So I think it's been amazing to be part of that process and we can see the vision that they have for women's golf. And I think that's makes us so proud that they are so encouraging and enthusiastic towards what they want for us. I think also um, a few male pros are sort of wanting to back us a little bit too, which is going to help. The, I think, the yeah. Did, did Justin Rose not, he ran a series in the, in the summer, did he not? You yeah. He that. did the Rose lady series. I played in it. I actually played with Justin yesterday in the pro-am as well. Um, oh, nice. So it was really interesting to speak to him and um, speak to him if he was going to do it again for the girls this year. Obviously, we're not sure when we're going to quite start yet. I'm not sure it's, it's going to be maybe until a little bit later. So maybe he's thinking of helping out some of the girls and giving some playing opportunities at the start of the year if we need them. And what about the, we'll wrap up in a, in a moment, guys, but obviously it's, it's an Olympic year. I mean, I, I'm sure that's a target for you in the back of your mind, although maybe it's a little bit too far off to, to be thinking about right now. But what does the rest of the year look like for you, both in your partnership with, with, with Golf Saudi and, and I'm sure getting involved in those four event series, a lot of money on the line. So there's a lot to be motivated about that. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have our schedule shortly and we'll make sure we plan around. Like for me, I get into Evian this year and that's the first time I've got into that major championship. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to play in the Evian and also the British Open um, and kind of planning my season and when to peak for certain events. Um, so I'm just excited to kind of get started. Yeah, me too. Um, just sort of waiting for the schedule to come out and see how many more weeks of practice we're going to do and then sort of just build up to that. 
time. Uh, but once we're going to get started, I think it's going to be quite busy. And I, I do look forward to that. I'm speaking to Alex Armas later, so I'll, I'll try and twist her arm for an early release of the schedule. I'm not sure she's going to give me an exclusive, though, somehow. Listen, guys, always a pleasure catching up with you. Um, enjoy the rest of your week over, over there at the Royal Greens Golf Club and best of luck for the season and look forward to following your progress in this new Aramco team series as well. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. A massive thank you then to both Amy Bolden and Camilla Lenarth and wishing them lots of luck for the remainder of this season. Looking forward to see how they get on in this Aramco Team Series events as well. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast to ensure you never miss an episode, we'd love you to do so. You can follow Golf Saudi's progress at golfsaudi.com on social media, Instagram and Twitter at golf underscore Saudi as well. And please do remember to join us on future episodes of the Power of the Game podcast. Until then... It's goodbye from me.